we're live. This All right. Very first live stream on um, Free Speech Media Network. And it's a great network. It is. <laughs> so this is a uh, weekly podcast against the state. And I am on Facebook, Felony Melanie. And we've got Roger Roots here. And what do you have to say today, Roger? It's great to see you, Felony Melanie. Um, this is episode number, what is it, eight? Seven. We're seven. Seven. Yes. Episode number seven. Um, and we are live. We are actually live streaming. Yep. And we've been picked up by one of the most prestigious uh, networks, uh, and that is Free Speech Media. That's right. That's awesome. <laughs> we're, we're making waves. <laughs> we are. Uh, how many uh, listeners did we have last week? Okay. So on BitChute, we had 107 views. And then on YouTube, our last episode was up for maybe 12 hours, but then they took it down because it violated community standards. And so we had about 30 views on that one <laughs> before it was taken down. Okay. So look. Uh, probably the. Okay, listen. Two of our six episodes have been banned. So I think we're doing great. Uh, that's, uh, let me think, do the math on that. That would be that's about a rate of, of one third. One third of our episodes have been banned. Yeah. This one might well be banned because the topic of the week is vaccine passports yes. and all the associated, uh, all the associated issues relating to that. Yeah. So, What's your initial thoughts on it? Well, um, you know, we haven't yet seen it. Uh, honestly, I'm living in a state where the both the legislature and the governor are making statements indicating that they are not going to allow it or they're going to stop it. But, you know, a year ago when this thing first rolled out, when this uh, COVID-19 suspension of liberty, by the way, I borrowed that from Naomi Wolf. It's not a COVID-19 pandemic. It's not a COVID-19 uh, medical emergency. It's a COVID-19 suspension of liberty. Right. Um, Absolutely. It probably, yeah, it probably never met the definitions and the normal standards of being an actual pandemic. Well, I think They've had to twist and, and concoct the... It did, but it could have just been inflated numbers, you know. But I think there was... Well... In the very beginning, yeah. Without the without the the uh, without the manipulation of numbers, it doesn't even exist as a pandemic. Right. Exactly. Right. Because we all know the numbers are manipulated. There. We all know that if you've been if you've tested positive for COVID nineteen within the last thirty days, your death would be counted as a COVID death. And that uh, there is a CDC directive which was issued March 24th, 2020, just over a year ago. And that directive ordered doctors to change the way they fill out death certificates for every other thing in, in world history. Right. And without that change, we wouldn't even have these ridiculous numbers that are often quoted in the, in the news media. Oh, absolutely. But 
so now we're we're you know a year and a few weeks or a month into two weeks to flatten the curve and now they've come up with this you know um emergency use vaccine there's three different kinds and um you know they're setting up these vaccine um mass vaccine places which incidentally two places now um two mass vaccine sites had to close down um this week alone because of adverse reactions that people were getting and the media is plainly it's it's so obvious that they are trying to suppress these kinds of stories they're also suppressing stories of people who die just after getting the vaccines oh absolutely i mean that would be you know that would just curtail all the things they're trying to do you know they want everyone to get this vaccine and you know it's supposedly i haven't read a lot about it honestly um i just know i'm not getting it because of the implications it's supposedly you know mrna mrna um, gene manipulation and that's just not something i even want i i don't even i don't want to be a guinea pig for their bullshit just yesterday by the way the rapper is it dmx DMX, was that the yeah. rapper that he just passed away yesterday? Okay. And there is an emerging, an emerging controversy over whether or not the vaccine contributed to his death. Now the media is really? going with the story that he died of overdose. Uh, his family says, wait a minute, he wasn't even really into drugs. Uh, there was no drugs. Anyway, there, there, there are competing storylines. But it's pretty evident the media ran with drug overdose. Right. He was fifty years yeah. old. Well, uh, DMX, was, one of the okay. one of the top selling rappers. I thought I heard somewhere that it was a brain hemorrhage. Well, he had a heart attack, and he was rendered unconscious in a coma for several days. Oh, that's and he just passed away yesterday. No brain. Activity. But he was vaccinated. He was vaccinated days ago. That's my understanding. Well, and then that? he has a heart attack. Yeah. What about that reporter, and I can't remember her name, but I just posted about it yesterday, um, that she got the vaccine late March, and then she died, I think, April 3rd. Right. 47 years old. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we know about Marvin Hagler, marvelous Marvin Hagler, the great boxing legend. And so we also know about him. Hank Aaron. Yeah. Hank Aaron, the all-time home run hitter, hitter prior to Barry Bonds. And remember, there's an asterisk uh, next to Barry Bonds uh, for, you know, steroid, <clears throat> steroid accusations. So it may be that Hank Aaron is the true home run king of all time. And he died. It's funny. They've actually covered up the fact that he died right after the second shot. Oh, the official stories... The official story said he died 18 days after being vaccinated. Well, of course, we know these shots are 14 days apart. They don't, they, the, the media tried to cover up the fact that he died right after his second shot. Home run legend. Well, Greatest baseball player who ever lived, arguably, next to Babe Ruth. I know, I, this is just like so anecdotal, and I probably shouldn't even bring it up. But like, I was in this group chat um with these people and this guy was telling me how 
his dad just got his second COVID shot and they went over there for family dinner and his dad all of a sudden just started slurring all his words and they had to take him to the hospital. He had a heart, he had a stroke. I mean, I don't know if it's vaccine related or not, but I mean, it's all anecdotal because, and you know, the doctors more than likely aren't even going to report that as vaccine related. I mean, Oh, they, they avoid it. Yeah, they, they will son, avoid it. Um, my 16 year old son, when he was five, um, I took him to get his MMR shot and two weeks later he got the measles and there's no doubt about it. He <laughs> had the measles and I took him to the doctor and the doctor's like, nope, that's not the measles. That's not related to the vaccine. Even though it says in the vaccine handout that they give you that you can come down with a mild case of the measles within two weeks of getting the MMR shot. But she insisted, no, this is not the measles. This is not related to the vaccine. So you know all of this gets underreported. You know it does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, with regard to the vaccine passports, yeah, uh, this is an idea that you and I, <laughs> this is an idea that you and I and probably every, every liberty-minded individual knew a year ago Holy cow, this is where they're going with this. Right. Because ultimately we all knew they're going with they're 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 coming down, they were rolling out all these different things. Number one was the lockdown. Number two, well, if you you know you have to get approval to, you know, you had to be essential business. There were all these steps that governments around the country and the world were taking. Oh, you need to be certified, you need to have papers in your hand to go to work. And on YouTube, there are many confrontations with police, different places where cops would pull people over. What's your business? Are you essential? Why are you not locked down? People would have to produce their story or their papers. And we all knew, I knew a year ago. Remember that woman that was uh, pulled over in Pennsylvania for going for a drive with by herself? Yeah. In her car? Yeah. By herself. Yeah. Or that guy that was... um. Um, Paris, not parasailing, but he was on surf sailing or whatever that's called. Remember in California and they arrested him. He was the only one on the beach. This is nothing about yeah. safety. It's all about control, which we already know that. And we all knew that they were going to take these pieces of paper that they were going to try to try to make us walk around with. And we all knew they were going to produce it, you know, make it into some kind of systematic system of government uh, control and issue. And, you know, there'd be licenses to walk around, licenses to travel. We all knew where they were going. I knew they were going to roll out vaccine passports a year ago. And I would joke about it. This is where it's going. It's going. It's just a matter of time before their concentration camps. It's just a matter of time before their vaccine passports. Here we are a year later, and they're rolling out vaccine passports. Well, and then there's concentration concentration camps in um, Canada. Because, you know, if you come into Canada um, and you have a negative test, you have to quarantine in your house for two weeks. If you come into Canada with a positive test, you have to go to a government COVID camp or COVID institution or whatever so if you have a positive yeah my, you have to go to a concentration camp i'm not going to call it anything yeah different, it's absolutely true now in most cities 
this takes the form of a motel that the government has basically contracted with motels. So you fly in and they put you in a government take taken over motel. It's, you're absolutely right. It's a con it's a concentration camp. Absolutely right. No, there's no difference materially. It's a concentration camp. And the the absolute how fast we've come to this. I mean, it's just it's astounding. But I just, every day when I think of this, and I'm I'm like, am I still living in this dystopian nightmare? <laughs> because I it's, can't believe it. I. You and I knew where it was going a year ago, and and all of my close friends, who are all generally libertarian, we all knew where it was going a year ago, and we joked about it, and we were we were we were laughed at by the I guess you could say the normies, the normal people, the mainstream people, they well, laughed at us. No, I know. <laughs> well, and then let's talk about this is something else that me and you have talked about, and in regards to the COVID passport and everything. So the Libertarian, the National Libertarian Party has been absolutely dreadful when it comes to anything to do with COVID. I'm, I'm, I don't even want to be even lumped in with a Libertarian anymore because of them. I mean, I feel like they're a laughing stock. I don't even know. I mean, they missed the absolute greatest opportunity they had to stand out from every other political party because when all of this started happening what was joe tweeting about she's tweeting about um qualified immunity and um civil asset forfeiture and prostitution why weren't you talking about the lockdowns why weren't you saying hey this is a libertarian party we believe in liberty we want you guys to go to work we don't believe in essential and non-essential workers we believe everybody is essential how you're speaking of joe joe jorgensen the candidate libertarian candidate for president i don't understand why she ignored all of that that would that was a god that was a gift to them the lockdowns absolutely a gift to them and they missed it they totally missed it they dropped the ball well she would speak about it on tour now i was with i was with her tour and, and them in the montana stage i even introduced her in bozeman montana and she would talk about it but her i agree her uh, messaging was very weak it was very uh you know, when anyone says, well, we need to balance this, we need to, a balancing test. We need to balance our civil liberties against this, you know, problem. Folks, there's some things you have, you have to draw a bright line against. You don't balance. It's a bright line. You know, uh, one of the great Supreme Court opinions was a dissent in a case involving the right to trial by jury. And the Supreme Court said, well, you, you don't get a right to trial by jury if it's a petty offense and you're not looking at jail time. And the dissenters, and I believe William O. Douglas was the man who wrote the, the, the dissent. He says, you know, this stuff about a balancing test and whether or not there's jail time or not is not, that's what, not what the Constitution says. The drafters of the Constitution performed the, the balancing test in the year 1791, and they came down with the conclusion that all criminal accusations must be tried by a jury. That was the balancing test in 1791. They've already done it. <laughs> and, and so libertarians need to say, no, this is not a balancing test. 
there are certain rights that we have. We have the right to walk out of our homes and go to work. Uh, we have the right to have rock concerts and uh, church sermons and meet and gather in gr large numbers. I mean, these are constitutional rights, uh, you know, in, in the Bill of Rights, and 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 really, they're human rights. They are beyond any piece of paper. They they exist in our hearts. Well, it all comes down to this: Does the government have any authority over your bodily autonomy? Does the government have any authority over whether you walk outside of your house? You have the right to make that choice, that, you know, risk analysis. Say, do I want to risk this? Because every day we make that choice when we get in a car, when we go outside. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's and They should have been on this like white on rice as my dad would say or like a fly on shit you know it's like come on they drop the like ball. a duck on a june bug yeah. yep absolutely <laughs> um uh before before the show we were talking about the libertarian party of kentucky which right. uh start started a little bit of a hubbub that made the twitter universe uh go wild for about two days uh, and that was the Libertarian Party of Kentucky on, on Twitter posted something like, well, are these vac vaccine passports going to be in the shape of a gold star, blah, 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 making the analogy to Nazi Germany's impositions on the Jewish population. And there were Hollywood actors. I think it was Rogan. What's his name? Seth Rogan. Seth Rogan. Who oh, apparently, God. apparently he's a true believer in the COVID uh, in the COVID thing, true believer. And he attacked the Libertarian Party of Kentucky. And in response, the libertarian, the world of libertarian, libertariana, of which I am a part. I'm a, by the way, I'm, I'm a member of the platform committee. Did you know that? I'm a, a current member of the national platform committee of the Libertarian Party. And, uh, I'm going to tell a story soon about the Libertarian convention last year, but anyway, to finish this story, um, the Libertarian Party of Kentucky posts about the analogy between vaccine passports and uh, Jewish stars that had to be worn under the Nazis in the 1930s. Seth Rogen and these Hollywood celebrities and the true believer, the, the government trusters the, generally, attacked them. And it was at one, I believe one day at two weeks ago, it was the biggest story on Twitter. Did you know yeah. that? Yeah. It was one of the biggest stories. Honestly, it put the Libertarian Party on the map. It was a great discussion, a great moment for libertarians to, to have a teaching moment to teach the rest of the world a few things. Unfortunately, the Libertarian Party is composed of, well, it's diverse to some extent, and it has some weaklings in it. And so the there yes, were... I say, some <laughs> of the, the National Party, some are, yes. And there were Libertarian Party members who attacked the Libertarian Party of Kentucky, saying that, well, that's just rude. It's politically incorrect to say. By the way, those of you and I, all of us, we've been saying we've been drawing the same analogy for a year. It's all just as rolled out by Nazi Germany, including the concentration camps. It's absolutely by it's it follows the same pattern. Well, what about. Have you seen those pictures of um, in Israel, those um, the Israelis um, protesting the vaccine passports and they have signs that say not another Nazi Germany or something like that? I mean, come on. Even yeah, that's right. That's right. And they're not 
you know, all worried about, you know, offending anyone. Personally, this is what I think. I think people need to get offended. I think we need to start offending people because that's what sparks conversations. That's what sparks debate. Uh, you know, virtually, of course, the Libertarian Party is split up into, you know, state parties and county parties. And some of the other Libertarian Party uh, Twitter accounts attacked the Libertarian Party of Kentucky, including the worst case, which I, I called out was the Libertarian Party of Nevada, oh, yeah. who actually said, well, we support vaccine passports if they're the private sector, if they're, quote, free market. And I got to thinking about that. The, how could you even support that? Number one, you, to support such a thing, calling it free market, you are you would need to buy into all this government propaganda. The whole thing is based on this story, which is a government story. Right. The whole thing is a government story. So the idea that, well, hey, we're libertarians. We support free market uh, vaccine passports. In other words, well, business because businesses, free market, private businesses, you know, they're free to require vaccine passports to go into a restaurant or a bar or whatever. And you just have to laugh because this is that libertarian. I mean, how libertarian is that? Well, and here's my my thing with it. So an, a government makes you a corporation. The gov you have to ask the government to become a corporation. And then, you know, you get special privileges from the government for being a corporation. And like, say, like Walmart, Amazon, all those other big corporations, they all get money from the government. So I don't think that they are private businesses. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, I would working, go even further. I would say, in collusion okay, you know, there is this ancient, uh, ancient of yeah I, I would say there's an ancient common law principle which is the principle of public accommodations you know the common law even prior to the 14th amendment uh always sort of assumed that there are some things which are things like stables inns hotels restaurants that have to take in the public uh the general public and of course the 14th Amendment has been used to, uh, um, you know, sue businesses that discriminate on the basis of race, uh, color, religion, gender, etc. So these, quote, libertarians from Nevada who say they so-called, they, they support the, the uh, imposition, and I believe they even said the implementation of a system of, va of private free market vaccine passports. They actually said that on Twitter and I attacked him on Twitter and Facebook both. I said, well, that means uh, segregated lunch counters. That means segregated drinking fountains. You know, it's free market. It's the private sector. Now, by the way, we all recognize businesses do have the right to exclude. They have the right to discriminate uh, in terms of discriminating against bad customers, unruly customers, disorderly customers, etc. No one would deny that. Libertarians certainly support that. But the point is, uh, you know, you're opening the door to this. Uh, you know, we've got we've come a long way as a society in terms of, uh, like I said, the segregated lunch counters and whatnot. Now, the Libertarian Party of Nevada wants to go back to that and, quote, implement a, quote, system of 
private, free, quote, free market vaccine passports. And well, I called them out because the whole thing's a government scam to begin with. Well, here's my thing is the Biden administration said they're working with these um, corporations and, you know, starting and formulating and developing these vaccine passports. So how private are they going to be if they're working with the government and developing exactly. them? And, you know, that just, make, that just makes me see this as, no, the government's not going to require it, but these giant corporations are, and they're just going to do the government's bidding and the government's dirty work. So there'll just be another fascist arm of the state. And in the end, they, the whole thing is built on government claims, government stories, government data, government, government narratives lies. about this about this COVID thing. And it's all, so if you're in the private sector, there's nothing that's very private about you adopting all the government claims and then demanding that your customers walk in with some device or piece of paper or passport that says they got the government shot. How free is that? How libertarian is that? Yeah, exactly. It's all just a bunch of um, BS. You know, when this thing first rolled out, actually, this is one of the things that drew me to you. I had never even met you before, except as a Facebook friend. And I don't even know where we picked each other up on the, you know, probably, I don't even recall. But in any case, uh, I noticed that you were among the many Facebook friends that I had that were posting great stuff on this topic. And most of my friends immediately, when a year ago, they knew, we all knew this is a government scam. This is a government almost like a false flag operation and we're watching it in real time yeah. and we've watched and we've become we've we've all become experts on the the data manipulation that has happened um it's it's i cannot believe i'm living in this clown world i mean honestly you know my dad always would tell me oh this is you know you're there's going to be martial law and they're gonna you know black bad people and blah 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 and i'm just like oh you're crazy. That's never going to happen. And like, here it is, you know, happening right before my eyes. I mean, you know, my, my cousins are here. Um, and, um, we were talking about how great it was when we were younger. Cause we, you know, we just go out and run around and do whatever we want. And now it's just like, fuck, you can't do anything. Like everything's closed. We are living in a science fiction horror story. We are straight up <laughs> and the vaccine we all you and i both knew they were going to roll this out and ultimately in, or, in order to get out of the lockdowns you would need to submit to government masking and government this and that we all knew where they were going with this and as a society i've i've probably been in more protests than i ever have in my life i've probably been to 30 protests this year yeah uh, some of which i've organized myself well okay and so <laughs> Just off a little tangent here. So what do you think about protests? I mean, obviously you've organized them, but don't you kind of feel like sometimes they're, <clears throat> you're kind of like begging your master for more chain, for a longer chain or whatever? I mean, what well, absolutely. the ultimate goal is? Because I, I struggle with this because I've been to plenty of protests in my life. I mean, 
and you know, and I just wonder, you know, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I've seen a lot of protests, most of which are ironically from the left. Uh, there aren't many from from libertarian angles, but one of the biggest, the greatest victory I've ever seen in terms of the history of protest and demonstrations was the yellow vest protest in France. That was about, what, two or three years ago. And, and that was actually in response to some government uh, carbon taxes. And, and then later on, of course, the media denied this and tried to cover it up. But the whole thing started as a protest against carbon taxes. And within about five days, uh, Micron, is that is how you pronounce his name? Prime Minister of Fran France, Micron, Mi Micron. Uh, anyway, the prime minister, he immediately announced, okay, you're right. No, we're going to, we're going to drop that idea. So that was an example of a populist libertarian protest that was the great, tremendously successful. Now, if that kind of model was used, if that was done a lot, you know, I could see, I could see the effectiveness. I understand that. Ultimately, it forces us all to interface with government itself. As you say, we're just arguing against our master for a, lo for a longer chain. Please, master. But ultimately, it's also a sign of resistance and defiance. Um, you know, we've seen this in Canada recently where, you know, there's some great YouTubes from the last week of a, of a minister who's literally shouting at cops in Calgary, Alberta, which is just north of where I am in Montana. And cops came to shut down his uh, Passover um, um, religious service. And he literally said, get out, get out, get out. It was great. Yeah. And that they got out, by the way. Um, well, and then what about like, do you remember reading the story about in Holland or the Netherlands where they burned up that COVID testing center? over because they were trying to institute um um oh you know curfews and um they went and they just destroyed that covid testing unit which i thought that was pretty cool <laughs> yeah i mean there have been a I lot wish, of protesters this year I and wish, some of them the have united been successful states, i wish the people in the united states would have balls like that i mean that's what we need we need people to do stuff like that, honestly. Absolutely, honestly. Well, now keep in mind, there's a line that has to be drawn. Libertarians always subscribe to the non-aggression principle. So okay. property destruction, burning down government buildings is not our, you know, okay. not where okay. we're aiming for. No, I, I agree, but however, they've aggressed pretty hard against us. And I feel like it would be nothing more than, you know, us fighting back. Um, I, mean, I always say when I'm, when I'm running for office as, as a libertarian, uh, well, they burned down a lot of buildings. They burned down a lot of restaurants, destroyed a lot of private property. And I have the government has. They, yeah. I mean, look at all, look at all the lives they've destroyed this year. All the businesses like on Yelp. Yelp says that I think 58% of their businesses are gone permanently. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's terrible. Yeah. 
Look at all the people that have reached into poverty because of this. All the people that are could lose their homes, even though they have that moratorium on rent and foreclosures, I think. It might just be on rent. But it's they've done more to destroy human life this year than you know they have in probably ten years. And Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a travesty, it's criminal, and they all should pay for it dearly. Their Ultimately should be swift and painful. That's let's put it this way. I, I I hope and pray that they all uh, have their budgets slashed to nothing and that they all have to uh, become productive citizens in the private sector <laughs> and that we auction off their government buildings to the highest bidder ultimately rather than yeah. burn them to the ground we auction them all off to the highest bidder and then we keep the money <laughs> absolutely we put the money back to the people it belongs to right exactly there's some reparations um, for you <laughs> yeah now I mentioned a moment ago that I, I would like to tell the story about the Libertarian National Convention in Orlando. Okay. It, it, I could go on and on on this topic, but it sort of it's it it sort of intertwines with the whole discussion of the of the COVID uh, suspension of liberty and and the passports and everything else. Okay, I'm a member of the National Platform Committee, and um, I'm a delegate to the National Convention. That means I, I have a vote. I, I get to go to the national convention and vote on who is the presidential candidate, the platform, uh, the bylaws, and all these other things, the other officers, the chairman, the vice chairman, secretary, treasurer, etc. So I'm an actual delegate, and I have been a delegate in the Libertarian Party to these national conventions. I don't know. I can't even count them all. I've been an active activist in the Libertarian Party for probably 20 years. Anyways. So I'm a delegate, and uh, it was originally scheduled to be in Austin, Texas. Uh, that was going to be around Memorial Day last year, 2020. And I was all prepared. Uh, I hadn't purchased my any of my registrations or tickets yet. But anyway, then this COVID thing gets rolled out. And sure enough, there's all these emergency declarations by the governors, including Abbott of Texas, and lockdowns, and then there are limits on assemblies in terms of you can only meet under 50 people. And that, of course, makes the Libertarian National Convention illegal right. in Texas. So we actually were banned, and uh, we rescinded the contract with the uh, convention center in Austin. I remember and, uh, about that. <clears throat> yeah, now what was really going on behind the scenes was that the libertarian world behind the scenes, the officials and the delegates like me, we're watching this stuff closely, and of course, the Libertarian Party has a structure at the center. There's a the the hive mind of the Libertarian Party is the Libertarian National Committee, which is uh, let me think how many people are on that committee. There are regional representatives, like there's Region One, Region Two, Region Three. Anyway, there are probably as many as eighteen or twenty members of the Libertarian National Committee, and of course, at the top, there's the chair and the vice chair, etc. Anyways. We were all watching them to see what they would do. And I, I agree with you. This was a golden opportunity. I actually advocated for the Libertarian Party to hold its convention and everyone fly down there and defy the local authorities. Have them arrest us. Have yeah. them arrest us 
for trying to hold a, a political convention in the United States of America. I would absolutely put myself right up there and here's my wrist, arrest me in the United exactly. States of America for exactly. trying to have a political convention. Well, I was outnumbered, unfortunately. And the chairman, the chairman whose name is was Nicholas Sarwark, uh, by the way, who I had supported in previous years, by the way, uh, sharp guy, smart guy. I had support. I had voted for him to be chairman in the in the previous in 2016. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't and know 2018. I don't know if we've been friends anymore. <laughs> I. By the way, I later learned and regretted my vote. Okay. By the way, he later insulted me. <laughs> All right, you have redeemed yourself. I almost, I almost got scared. Let's there. put it this way. Okay, let's put it this way. Having been a delegate at libertarian conventions, I can tell you that we have an, uh, the libertarian party has a need for, let's say, well dressed guys who can wear a necktie and speak uh, with full sentences. Complete sentences. All right. Sarwark was a lawyer and he, he was able to do that. And, you know, and so the Libertarian Party needs more smooth talkers like the other part. We need we need more, you know, standard bearers who can complete a thought in and yeah, make a good so speech. Out for that? I, I never I, I didn't know Sarwark was such a sellout. I did not know when I voted for him, and I voted for him more than once, I believe 2016 and 2018. All right. And by the way, we're both lawyers. We meet and we shake hands at these conventions and chit chat and all this. So I didn't know what a what a lame and limp wristed weakling and sellout the guy was. Anyways, 2020 comes around with this COVID uh, panic. Sarwark takes the extreme opposite position of me. He basically takes the position that, oh, no, we need to lock down. We need to not have a convention this year. We need to comply and obey the state. And just surrender because this COVID is just a scary thing. There's just all we're all gonna die. Are you? Do you want us all to die by having a convention and fly down to have 800 to a thousand libertarians in one place? He was literally spreading that kind of a theme. And by the way, he was not alone. There were hundreds on both sides. It was probably split down the middle. It seemed like. Uh, I, I, well, actually, I take that back. I was in the majority. Our, the the side that wanted to hold the convention. A physical convention was in the majority. And by the way, I actually take it back. I said 50-50. No, we were more like 70-30. But the 30, you know, the 30 tended to be the loud and the, the whiniest. Okay. Well, that's how it always is. <laughs> it's, all, it's, it's so sad. It's so sad how elites get to control the masses because they whine so much. Anyways, here's what happened. So the Libertarian National uh, Committee... Again, there's 18 or 20. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, some And there's a wide variety and uh, some diverse. Con uh, there's some hardcore ones. Karen Ann Harlos. I don't know if you know her name. Oh, I love uh, her. She worked. I love her. She's my rep. She's my, my. Uh, I, I supported her all the way and I always have. She was actually a re the region one rep for Montana. The re region one is Montana and a lot of the western states. Um, before she became the secretary, which she is now. Anyways, um, she, you could say she's an anarchist. She's a hardline anarchist. Well, she is, Although she's pro-life on abortion, ironically. I heard her on but, Tom Woods. She was amazing. I was so impressed by her. So I, I subscribed to her YouTube channel and I listened to her a lot. I like her. Very intelligent woman. Yeah. Very principled. 
Uh, I've always supported her. Anyway, she's she was on the committee, and she fought hard along with several others. And I could, I if I named them the good ones, I'd miss one. Sam Goldstein, another great member. Um, let's see who else. I, again, I'm got. In, in other words, it was a it, the the Libertarian National Committee was split down down the middle, but it actually we we were in the majority. We won. We had the majority, we meaning the hardliners that demanded an, uh, an actual in-person convention. By the way, I, let me stop here and tell you what the Democratic Party and the Republican Party were doing at the same time, which is they were surrendering. They were surrendering and they were going to have online, online conventions, computer conventions where they all sat in their laptops. Okay, so just as you said, this was the greatest opportunity of all time for the Libertarian Party, the largest third party, to rise up in defiance and have our national convention with hundreds of us actually defying this whole scam and having a national convention while the Republicans and Democrats hid behind their laptop screens and right. had this fake, these fake conventions. Home. Yeah, unfortunately, here's what happened. The uh, Libertarian National Committee said, well, we do have to put forth the name of a presidential ticket. And that later became Joe Jorgensen, of course. How are we going to do that without a convention? And so there was lots of turmoil, lots of discussion. And of course, I was a delegate watching this. And um, they had some meet many, many meetings. And finally, they had this, this idea, well, we'll we're going to have a hybrid convention in other words, we're going to have a internet convention in which they'll vote for the president and the vice presidential ticket. And then the rest of the convention, which is the more boring stuff, bylaws, platform, uh, chairman, treasurer, all that, this, the boring stuff that the average American couldn't care less about. We'll have that in an in-person convention, uh, not in Austin, Texas, where it originally was scheduled, but in Florida, because Florida was not as locked down because right. the governor of Florida, DeSantis, was allowing groups larger than 50, right. unlike Texas. Okay, so we could still legally hold the in-person convention in Florida. So I can tell you, I tuned in and, and I logged in as a delegate, and there were you know hundreds, there was like a thousand delegates in, in the two-day computer convention, quote convention, to select the presidential candidate. And we did so. Uh, we selected Joe Jorgensen, great, uh, in my opinion, one of, the great, one of the better candidates for president we've ever fielded. And Spike Cohen, who was the vice presidential candidate. In any case, then there were contentious votes about, and Sarwark and his government-loving, uh, COVID-fearing uh, cohorts and minions actually led all kinds of trickery. And I should say this, the libertarian bylaws require, which means the, the constitution of the libertarian party, the actual, the, the rules of the, of the libertarian party require in-person conventions. So it's required by the bylaws and the papers, the fundamental, all the rules of the libertarian party. It's required. Okay, so Sarwark and his minions and his cohorts were trying to manipulate things and say, well, uh, it doesn't mean what it says and we can manipulate it because there's an emergency, COVID, and blah, 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 blah. But we outvoted him very importantly, I believe twice. In fact, we shocked him and his, his group 
I believe it was 80% in one of those votes where we, the delegates, over our laptops, outnumbered him 80 to 20, I believe. It was something that overwhelming. And we said, no, we are going to have an in-person convention. And we totally, and he actually had a meltdown on the computer screen. We all watched it. Anyways, <laughs> so we scheduled, the Libertarian Party then scheduled its national convention for Orlando, Florida, back in July, mid-July. This was last year. I flew down. And by the way, at that time, I actually was able to sort of evade the mask rules on the plane. And so it wasn't that bad. I get to the convention center and there was a lot of tension in the air. The hotel was trying to impose masks. The, a lot of us weren't submitting it, submitting to it. And I can tell you this, that the ones who showed up, the normally the Libertarian National Convention is about 800 to 1,000 delegates. Okay, I've been to many of these over the years. Okay, this time it was 300. And here's what, and it was such a golden opportunity because the ones who showed up were the hardcore. All right, think about it. The weeks, the wimps, the moderates didn't show up because they were afraid of COVID. But the ones who right. showed up were the absolute truest. It was the greatest libertarian convention ever. We were the hard line. All right. So I thought this is a golden opportunity. We're going to make the platform the strongest, most extreme anarchist libertarian platform ever. We're going to make all these great uh, votes and rules. We're going to put in who we want and we're going to just, you know, it, it was a, it was going to be a hardliner libertarian convention. Unfortunately, guess what happened? The weaklings and the moderates led by Sarwark. Uh, stage this whiny guilt trip shame uh, propaganda campaign to shame us all into voting to allow the people at home scared of COVID to vote by laptop. And so it really was a scandal because I was one of about 25 out of 300. I was in the minority. I, I voted all the way to comply with the bylaws and know the people at their laptop <laughs> On their, on their couches have no vote. They did not make it. They don't have a vote. I was one of about 25 hardliners down there. Anyways, we were outnumbered. And so we opened it up on day two. I was outvoted, outnumbered. And so it was a hybrid convention. And all the moderate libertarians got to vote by laptop screen. So there's my story. Boo. <laughs> So even the Libertarian Party, which you would you would think would be the absolute thing that you could count on most in this world, you would you would think that the Libertarian Party would be like the opposition to the Nazi Party and the opposition to the Communist Party, the one group that would never fade and would fight the state and the establishment all the way. Unfortunately, even half the Libertarian Party had succumbed to this COVID propaganda. Well, when I saw pictures of it, I wasn't impressed because most of the people there were wearing masks and like they had pictures of them doing that elbow, you know, greeting instead of a handshake or a hug I wasn't. or whatever. I was just done with it after I saw that. I was like, whatever. The, the, the only mask I wore was the, uh, what do they call that? The anonymous, the mask. Yeah. What do they call that? The v, for, the v for Vendetta mask. The yeah. I did wear the Guy Fox mask. Yeah. 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 Well, that was a good story. I just, okay. 
I don't have any faith in any kind of political party. I mean, you get, it's full of little losers. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I, know I'm, I know there's good people in it. Okay. I know. I know there's anarchists. We've got the Mises caucus, which, you know, I'm a part of, but I don't necessarily want to be associated with the big L libertarian party, the national one. I have been for many years and I've run for office. I've run for U.S. Senate. I've debated U.S. Senators. I've run for Secretary of State of Montana twice. Uh, I've been an activist in the Libertarian Party, but I'm about this close to saying, you know what, it's a, an institution that I don't see as actually being an important component in uh, resistance to the to the state in the future. I don't think the National Party is, and it could, you know, maybe the states, the individual state parties might affect some change, but the National LP is a joke. I mean, with the exception of a few people, very few, but yeah. their tweets, yeah. the way that they dropped the ball during this whole COVID crap, they are a joke. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I mean, the people who are not in the Libertarian Party have no idea of the factions and the internal, the internal uh, right. uh, conflict and almost open warfare. By the way, that's true in all large groups. It's true in the Democratic Party and the Republican Party that there are these in vicious internal battles. And, you know, even in things like the National Rifle Association, uh, if you've ever followed any of those groups, vicious battles internally between oh. the hardliners and the moderates or whatever. Let me tell you a story. So in 2004, I was the Missouri State Coordinator of the Second Amendment Sisters. And all these gun groups that were in Missouri came at me and were like, they're, they're like, oh, don't associate with this gun group because they're just crazy people. And they did this and this and this. And I mean, within a week, I got like five phone calls from five different men gossiping about all the other different groups and how don't associate with that group because that group's just a bunch of crazy people. It's just, it's insanity. And this is why nothing gets done because everybody's always fighting. It was insanity. And I only did it for a year because I couldn't take it. It's just like, what the hell is wrong with you? We're, we're <laughs> supposed to be working towards a common goal here, not sitting here and trying to, you know, sabotage other people. It was just crazy. I just, I didn't get it. And especially yeah. coming from men. I just, you know, I would expect that from women, but not men being a bunch of crybabies and like, oh my God, that guy hurt my feelings. Don't talk to him. Oh, I can. I've been to Libertarian National Conventions where it's almost open battle in the, in the hallways. I'm surprised there aren't more fist fights in the hallways. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> oh my god now that would be worth watching it would be <laughs> um so anyway with back to the vaccine passports i believe the only state that is actually considering them in a, in a legitimate way is new york at this well, time yeah and they have it I think it's called the Excelsior program or something, but yeah. they haven't, they've rolled, 
they've rolled it out only in name because I can tell you, I just read an article uh, about how it isn't working in practice. Uh, to go to a New York Mets game, they say, well, you're going to have to have a vaccine passport, this Excelsior passport or whatever. Uh, but it's more complicated than that uh, because you need to be tested. So, so it, uh, it's, it's a convoluted system where, you know, within 14 hours, you need to have your passport. Within eight hours, you have to have a negative test. And, you know, those two things, of course, can convolute in different ways right. where, you know, you, so in order to attend a Mets game, you basically have to take the day off work and spend the first part of the day going through some stupid testing or whatever, getting your papers on the test. And then it, just to go to a baseball game. And by the way, the rollout is not working because they're having difficulty with the database, uh, get it, getting everyone signed up on it. And then there's the problem of poor people don't have all the stuff. Uh, right. What are they going to do? Have it, you know. And so you know the the public you know frequently is not you're really separating rich from poor because the poor people can't walk around with these devices or you know well, all this you know and so it's not working even in new york they're setting up a caste system with this the haves and the have nots oh yeah that's exactly what they're doing and the people yeah. the amount of people that i've seen on twitter that are all for it is astounding it's it's the, the the polling is so scary. I can't believe anyone would support this. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's fear. I mean, fear does weird things to you. But you know, if we Yeah, now we're time, coming up against the clock uh because we've now joined this great free speech media network. We're I believe we're our podcast is one of the rising stars of the network. I mean, in terms of you know, the Friday slot that they gave us, which we slid right into. I mean, we are, we are the right, this is, this is day one with them, but I believe that uh, they have big ambitions with regard to us. Uh, I believe we're coming up against the clock and I was told that the next hour would be another podcast. So we, yeah. we have to be more, a little bit more regimented with regard to our clock, I guess. Yeah. We've got six minutes. So what, what's the big takeaway from this? You have three minutes, go. <laughs> the takeaway is that those of us who saw this coming have not been surprised at all, but vaccine passports are a thing. Governments are going to try. The only resistance is in some, uh, well, I guess you could say conservative dominated states like Florida, Texas, Mississippi. By the way, Montana, uh, Montana, where I am at right now, is there's some signs of resistance. I believe the legislature is in session and they've got a bill to uh, stop it. And the governor, who's a Republican, is said he's he's going to put his foot down and against vaccine passports. So it's coming down to that that kind of a thing. Like uh, if it flies at all, it's going to be in New York, California, Illinois, and these extreme government right. trusting states. That's where it'll start. But once it starts getting rolling out, um, you know, I see it to be kind of like how it was with seatbelt laws. Because um, in the early 90s and late 80s, not everyone had seatbelt laws. But then the government started withholding federal funding for certain projects unless they started implementing 
seatbelt laws, and that's how now every state has a seatbelt law. And it was the same with drinking age. Not every state had a 21-year-old drinking age, but federal government, oh, we're going to withhold money from you if you don't implement, you know, a 21-year-old drinking age. So, I mean, that's how it all starts. Yeah, that's a, that's a, unfortunately, I fear you're correct. Ultimately, we need a, a, a massive resistance movement that that is above politics. In other words, it's just a, a movement of resistance. It's got to be, a uh, you know, ultimately. Of more than just one party, like all factions of people need to get together. To, we need to have giant protest in the street like they do, you know, in Europe. I mean, have you seen some of the pictures from Germany and Holland and, you know, France and all those places? So we need that here. But I think we're just a bunch of lemmings. I mean, I think most of the people here are a bunch of scared lemmings, you know, afraid to rock the boat. On that happy note, <laughs> Maybe we should sign off. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> if we're if the if the republic still uh, exists, actually we're we're above Repu the republic. We are uh, above, we're stateless. <laughs> you know, we'll see you next week if we haven't been black bagged by then. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. But yeah. Well, it's been so, a good it's been a good hour. I've enjoyed it. It's been it. a great hour. It's been fun. <laughs> we should do it again. We should. Next week. Yep. <laughs> same bat time, same bat channel. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll see you next week, guys. Bye. <laughs>